Today's a big one. I'm going to open up about my recent course launch and share what I've been learning, how God used the outcome that I most feared to bring about what I needed the most. I'm going to share how when things don't go your way, you don't have to have an identity crisis about who you are or whose you are, but instead ask him what he has for you in that place. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is Kindled, a podcast where women share stories of motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. And we're going to talk about how it all relates back to glory. I need basically every spare second I can get in this episode, so I'm just going to tag on at the front end here. If you want to connect with me further outside of this podcast, you can find me on Instagram at HaleyWilliams.Kindled. You can go to our website, KindledPodcast.com, where I post all of the episodes. And if you want to join us on Facebook, you can join our private Facebook community called Kindled Women. Just go to the website and click the Join the Community button. So today I am going to be sharing with you the things that I have learned from launching my course. If you're new to listening, I have been developing a course since about last um, April. Uh, So not quite a year, but about six months. And I did a live launch of that course last month. For those of you who don't know, the course is um, one that teaches female entrepreneurs how to launch and grow their first business, and it's called Launch What You Love. So this is basically the lessons that I've learned, and they're both practical um, things that I'm learning in business, but also spiritual. Before we get started, I do want to make a note of something that you already know if you've been listening for a while, and that is that when it comes to the secular and the sacred, I don't believe in keeping them apart. I believe that one needs to align with the other if we are believers. So what we are engaged in in our work or in our business or um, our nine to five, our 40 hours a week, that doesn't get to live in a box outside of our faith or separated from what we believe about God or ourselves and, and who we are. That's why this podcast exists. So we can explore and, um, and dive deep into discussions about our work from a perspective of eternity and a perspective of faith and what we know is true and even truer than our work, the, the one who called us to it. Um, So that's how I am approaching this topic. I'm not just going to share with you the things that I learned that I could have done better on the business side, and I'm not only going to share with you the spiritual lessons. I'm merging all of that together because that's how I process. That's how I learn. It's Everything is very much combined, um, and that's just how I have to work through my life. So you are the recipient of that if you uh, if you're joining us today for this episode. All of life is learning, right? And everything that happens to us offers an opportunity for us to learn from it or to let it go to waste. And um, and I don't want to let this experience go to waste. We say all the time that that nothing is wasted with God, and I believe that's true in our hearts and minds if we are His. But I also believe it's true that it is possible for us to waste the opportunity to give glory to God if we do not rightly orient our hearts and rightly obey when we are prompted in such a way as I have been to share this with you. 
If I would have opened my mouth and talked to you about launch right after it happened, it would not have been a happy episode. <laughs> I was I was disappointed. I was disappointed in the outcomes. Um, I felt like I had let myself down, like I didn't do the, the right things, like I had messed up. Um, I didn't hit my numbers of the goals that I had for launch. There were just so many um, practical things that just sort of fell short of my expectations and what I had kind of set my heart and my hope on. And if I had really just started like opening up about that right away, it wouldn't have been profitable or helpful for anyone, including me, because it would have just been very tinged by a lot of disappointment. And I needed to sit with those feelings for a few weeks to let them process and develop and let God show me where my heart was wrong in that and also reveal what his true purpose was through my disappointment and through the outcome that I didn't anticipate or hope for or even pray for. So being slow to speak was the first lesson that I learned uh, God had for me. And it's, it's very contrary to my nature, as you may have assumed or noticed by now. But the next thing, interestingly enough, that, uh, that really started to bubble up in my heart was a conviction to share. So when I, when I waited um, and didn't just share the initial reaction or what I was actually thinking at the time, but instead let God, um, you know, take the first place and have, um, have the first place in my heart, uh, it really just started to weigh on me that, that I needed to write down what my takeaways had been, what I had learned and what God was showing me and actually write it down. Um, and so one morning after I dropped my kids off at preschool, I did that. And, and that is what this episode came from was those notes and just basically me journaling, um, everything that I learned, both business oriented and spiritually oriented things, um, secular and sacred, those, everything that was really going through my mind and heart at the time was, uh, was what I felt led to share with you guys. Something that, I knew was on my heart from the very beginning with this podcast was to discuss and and entertain conversations that unpacked how we did work as believers differently than the world and what that means for us. And I don't mean what kind of work you do or whether you work at home or in an office, not that, but rather how we work. So I knew that that would be something that would come up and that I wanted to really unpack through various episodes and with different, different women, um, you know, shedding light on what that's looked like in their own life. And, and I'm finding that that is exactly what God has been doing for me in this entire experience of, of building something, launching something, um, selling something, you know, the very thing that I teach others how to do, he's been really working on me in my own heart with how I think about it and how I approach it. So lately, what that has looked like for me is, is rejecting this cultural idea that there is a guru somewhere with an answer for every difficulty that we encounter. And Instead, accepting the truth that there is a God with a heart who longs to know ours. So I preface this episode with with that. Um, That's where I'm headed. So launch for this course that I built. Let me kind of go back. 
in April, I bought a course that taught me, um, that, that was essentially learn how to build a course and launch it into the world and, um, and, and create an information product. And if you're not familiar with this whole space of digital learning, it is a hugely, hugely exploding industry. Like I, I don't even know the numbers, but it's like, it's in the, you know, double digit billions projected to, to grow into, you know, the billions in the next, I think it's already in the billions, but like the tens and 20 billions in the next few years. And so this space of people learning things online and, um, and teachers teaching things online and, and coaching. And this, this whole area is just a really, um, really growing field and I guess industry. And, um, and I, you know, hadn't ever planned to do this, but as I, um, as I started this podcast last January and started sharing and started rethinking what work meant for me and what work was going to look like. And was I going to keep building this web design business or, um, or start shifting into, you know, sharing more of what I've learned as an entrepreneur with other people doing the same thing. I just really felt my heart be pulled in that direction so clearly that there was so much clarity and it was almost like I, this, I am doing this because I have no other choice. This is what I have to do. I have to pursue this and knew that that was something that God was really calling me into. And even at the risk of, of other things falling, you know, um, falling to the wayside in a sense, because I had a different plan for how I was going to be building my web design business and creating, um, themes and out of the box options that would, you know, diversify my product and service offerings to my clients. And I had this whole other plan for my web design business, but then this kind of got introduced and to my heart. And, um, I was really excited about it. And, um, at the same time that I had this clarity of like, I want to do this. I obviously started Googling and researching. And then of course, you know, Facebook with its really smart ad, ad, uh, campaigns and settings knew that I was looking. And so they started, I started seeing ads for other coaches who were going to teach you how to build a course to teach others your skill or, or knowledge, whatever it is that you had. And so I came across this one, um, program and by a girl named Danielle Leslie. And it's, it's awesome. I, I bought it. I invested in it. Um, it was not cheap, but I knew that if, if I put in the work and if I did, you know, what this program suggested that I would easily be able to make my money back. So having not really invested a whole lot in myself over the years, as far as like continuing education, um, I thought this is really worth it and this is going to be really hard. So I've got to do that. So I had a great launch, um, of my beta course, which was basically just, uh, eight weeks of live coaching, live group coaching, teaching the content that I would plan to, um, to teach in my full blown course. I went in and, um, you know, revamped all the content created hours and hours of videos and keynote presentations, and then, you know, screen shared tutorials and how to's and trainings and lot. I mean, just like everything I knew dumped into this course. And, um, and I really was, you know, feeling great about it and was just like, this is, this is great. I'm, this is looking really, you know, this is a product that I, I know is going to be valuable to a lot of people. And I'm going to, you know, now be able to relaunch this as this full blown, you know, eight week course that you can take and learn, um, how to launch your business, your, 
your thing into the world and it will really help people. And, um, and all of that's still true. So it's not like that, you know, nothing really changed and, and I don't feel differently about it now that, uh, that it really is a valuable experience for people. And it's unique in the sense that I, um, offered the, the self-guided material so you can consume the trainings on your own schedule, but then have weekly coaching calls so that you can actually get help with the course material itself rather than, you know, kind of this format where people sometimes, um, do, you know, digital courses, a lot of them are, you buy it, you consume it on your own. You don't ever really get interaction one-on-one with that coach. I wanted this to be very different. I wanted to work one-on-one with people really closely and have a really high touch experience. But, um, so I kind of came up to this time where I had planned to launch and, what happened was I kind of rushed my launch because I realized, okay, eight weeks from the day I launch is basically, or, or eight weeks from the day that people start the course, um, was getting into the holidays. If I didn't start soon, if I didn't start in early October, then I knew I'd be getting into the holidays and people might not want to buy a course right before the holidays because they would think like, I don't have time for that. They're busy. And so I started just kind of getting like pressured by the clock and, And I went ahead and just kind of like pushed through. I was like, all right, I'm going to make this happen. And I happened to choose a weekend where my husband was out of town or not a weekend, but actually a Monday through a Wednesday was, was going to be Monday. That Monday was my first day being open for, um, having the course be available for sale. And, um, launch was really hard. I don't know if any of you have ever launched a product or service or program or anything like that, but it is extremely, extremely hard. And it was, it was doubly hard for me because my number one support was not here. (laughs) That was my husband. It was, it was kind of the culmination of a lot of work that I had put in and hours and tears and sweat for this final reveal. I had expectations and I had goals. So, um, if you're in this space of e-learning or you've heard people talk about, you know, launches, The idea is that you have a launch that is profitable. The idea is that you've put all of the work and effort and energy into something and you're going to launch it and you're going to get all your payoff, right? In, in launching that thing. In fact, the very teacher whose course I bought last April told me to do this very thing and, um, and, you know, and basically plan for your launch math. You, you just, you get butts in seats. You, um, figure out how many people you need to make your launch profitable for you? What are, what's your goal? And then you kind of work backwards. So if you say you you have the goal of a $10,000 launch in mind and your course is a thousand dollars, then you know, you need to get 10 people. And she says, it's not personal. It's just launch math. Just get the people. Don't think that if you don't have the people, it's because people don't want your product. Just, you know, get, get more numbers. You've, you've got to reach more, more eyeballs to get the numbers. I'm, I'm not going to like outrightly disagree with anything that she or, you know, any one specific guru teaches. But what I am going to tell you is that I have learned that I have to be true, first of all, to God and second of all, to myself in how I do everything that I do. I need to be set apart and I need to be different, not in necessarily what I do, but in how I do it. So I've told you that launch was really hard for me and that it didn't meet my original expectations. And then I told you that I felt like I needed to be slow to speak. But the next thing that I think God started working in my heart was that I actually needed to share my struggle as readily as I would have shared a victory. 
And that's what prompted me to record this episode. A lot of people in this space of like sharing their business experience and knowledge and their struggles and their successes are usually sharing about their struggles after they have had a major victory. You know, most people don't really share about the disappointments or the less than they hoped for launches or the frustrations that they're encountering in their business um, until they have a victory to share, until they have an outcome that they deem is, is worth aspiring to. And that's not really surprising, right? I mean, none of us really want the struggle to be the end of the story. None of us want that to be the note that we end on. We want to tell you the struggle and then share how we overcame it. Most people are sharing about that struggle after they've had their $20,000 launch. And by the way, my first few were terrible until I discovered this one thing, which I'm going to teach you. You know, that's that is the like perspective that most um, business like gurus in our space and day and age are sharing. And there was that temptation for me to be one of them. I thought, I'm just going to wait until I figure out what happened or what I did wrong or what I could have done better. And then I'll share that episode of how to improve your launch. But thankfully, God really uh, corrected that thinking in me pretty quickly and uh, showed me that I actually did need to share what I was going through. And before I go any uh, further, I do want to say that although I was disappointed in the outcome of the launch at first, I have very much come to believe that it was exactly what I needed and exactly what God has for me right now. And, uh, and you know, that's not me trying to turn a struggle into a victory. It's really just me coming to understand that the struggle is the victory. You know, the, the challenge for us is the victory when we are able to turn to Jesus and trust in him instead. And when that struggle points us to our inability to, to really win or have any victory apart from him, it's not lost. It's not wasted. And I guess we could end the episode right there because that's kind of the whole point of everything I'm sharing today. Vulnerability does come with a cost and it comes with this cost of um, posturing. It comes with a cost of putting out this image that you want people to see of yourself, which like I am, I know I've said this on the show before, but I'm an Enneagram three. So if you don't know about the Enneagram, basically that means that I care a lot about doing well. I care a lot about what you think of me and how you, how you perceive me and how you perceive my accomplishments and my achievements and, um, for better or worse, like it's not always a bad thing, but it, it can easily become an idol. So I've told you that I need to be set apart and do this differently. And one of the first convictions that I, I felt like I had after launch was over and I kind of knew how everything had fallen and knew how the chips had fallen um, was maybe I thought God is asking me to become a Christian business coach. So this is something I had thought about in the past, like actually labeling myself as a business coach for Christians. Now, maybe that sounds cheesy to you, but I just thought, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm playing small and I'm afraid of my faith or afraid of being out there with my faith and I need to be more explicit and I need to draw a line in the sand and say I am going to work with Christians and I'm going to do this differently and I'm going to, you know, say say like 
I am a believer and that's going to impact everything about how I do what I do. And it's going to even impact what I do. And I'm going to change this course to be like a Christian business, um, you know, course or whatever. I didn't really know what that meant, but that was just like my conviction right off the bat. But I heard God be like, just don't announce that. Like it's not, don't change everything and just go out there and tell everybody, okay, I'm going to do this instead. Cause my tendency when something doesn't go the way I want is to be like, oh yeah, okay. That's because this, and here's my reason. And let me justify and explain to you why this didn't go the way I wanted. And maybe it's this thing that, you know, God is telling me to do, and I'm going to go do that now. That's the easy path. The hard path for me is being quiet and and waiting and sitting still in the uncertainty and in not knowing, is that really what God is asking me? And over the last few weeks, as I have just prayed and contemplated and sat with the um, the reality and, and with life and all of this, I've realized that I don't think God was explicitly telling me I need to become a Christian business coach, but um, perhaps just that I need to coach in such a way that indicates I'm a Christian. So instead of changing what I was doing, changing the way in which I was doing it. So not redefining the what, but redefining the how. And so that led me to starting to think about, okay, so if that's true, if I need to think about how, then that means everything about how, how I approach this launch, even my, my lower expect, my, um, even my dashed hopes or my expectations that were, did not plan out the exact way I planned. I have to change how I think about that. And my first reaction as someone who is um, in business when I don't get a result I want is to go, what did I do wrong? Now, what could I have done better? How did I mess up? Let me find the, the chink in the chain of what of all of my actions and find the missing link and kind of the thing that was off or, you know, what, what do I tweak for next time? And while that is valuable to investigate and it's not a waste of time and it's not wrong to do that that shouldn't be my first and only reaction. Because if I'm looking at how I'm doing what I'm doing differently, then I need to investigate this differently. So the next thing that I learned was that you have to start somewhere. It's as simple as that. You have to start somewhere. I am new at launching a course. I was new. It was my first sort of first time. I had done it like in a beta version, but not, um, not not in the full way that I did this this last time and you have to start somewhere. And I know you guys have all heard it by now, but you can't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. So that, that course, um, you know, educator whose course I bought, I can't compare my first launch to her 10th launch or her 20th launch when she's doing, you know, hundred thousand dollar launches and I'm going, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do that? I mean, I can't compare my beginning to hers. And I even found out later after talking with her, cause I'm in a Facebook group with her and all the other students, um, that she said it took her multiple launches to, to have any success, to even get anyone to buy a single one of her courses, which she now makes, you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month from this one course. And so, you know, it's not all about money, but it, it just showed me, yeah, okay. She started somewhere too. I have to start somewhere. And then it also, the next thing is that I learned I have to walk before I run. 
And, uh, and this is, you know, this is a basic truth that we know when you look at a little baby, you, you don't start out running, you start out walking. And so you start out a little slower than people who are more advanced than you. You start out smaller, you are lower to the ground. You are so that when you fall, you know, the, the fall isn't as hard because, you know, you're not falling from a run, you're falling from a walk and that is necessary. It's necessary to start small and and we have to be willing to grow slowly. So where in your life are you expecting that you should be at a breakneck speed running, you know, sprinting pace when you've just started? And and maybe you haven't even just started in your business, but maybe you've just started in another area like motherhood and you feel like you should be, you know, getting this by now or you feel like you should be further along than you are. Um, or maybe your work was really easy for you before, but you have an, a new baby and suddenly things are not so easy. You've got to walk before you run. So that feeling that you're at a walking pace is normal and it's actually good. Uh, the next thing I learned is that past success doesn't guarantee future results. So something that I think was in my expectations about this launch was that it was buried deep, but I think what I believed was, you know, I've been in business seven years, um, plus, And so I've been through this, I've been through this launch phase of a business, which is true. And I kind of think that I thought I would be able to skip that season of, of entrepreneurship and be able to kind of catapult myself into the growing phase or the, um, you know, kind of the flourishing phase, which is where I am in my other businesses. And I'm closer to that, but that past success did not guarantee the future result or catapult me through the difficulty of launching a new business. It, it just didn't. And I don't think that's how it works. I think that with any new endeavor, we start at the beginning again. And yes, we're going to, we're going to come into it with things that we've learned and gathered and we'll take those things with us and they will change how we do things from the get go. But it doesn't mean that we get to skip or fast forward through the hard parts. So that was something that I think was in my expectations, which is what made um, the outcome hard for me to swallow. Um, Another really basic one, guys, these are just simple, basic truths. And I feel sort of like a baby because I am learning things like a child. (laughs) But um, if you're going to battle, if you are going to battle, come prepared. I mentioned that I launched this course when my husband was out of town what a stupid thing to do. <laughs> I I did not adequately estimate what the difficulty and the weight of this would be on my heart, on my mind, on my body, on my spirit. I I just was kind of um, you know, like I can do everything on my own. I can do anything on my own. I'll be fine. And I thought I could push hard enough and push myself hard enough to just achieve what I need to do, which normally that's true. I do have a high capacity for pushing myself, but this, um, this was not the case. This was not a case where I could just push myself to success. I needed my teammate. And I felt that when he was gone, I felt that on every level with the kids, with, you know, the margin for having work. Usually when he gets home, he gives me another hour to hour and a half to work since I've been with the kids all day and have probably only gotten one hour in since nap time. And, um, 
and I didn't have that. I didn't have help with, you know, dinner or bedtime or all of the things. And I was doing a webinar, um, while they were at school and I was preparing for that and finishing that all by myself. And, you know, there was just so many things that he didn't get to have input in. And he is extremely vital to, to me as an individual and to even my business because his input, um, you know, when, when you're married, you're one and, and you feel the difference when that person isn't there. Um, so I really, I really think that if he had been there, that it might've looked a lot different. I'm not saying like, oh, he should have been there for this launch and it's his fault (laughs) because it's, it's nobody's fault. It's just, I don't think that I came to battle very prepared. Um, and then I also learned through this process that I have to be true to myself to be successful. My tendency as a three on the Enneagram, and I know that might be annoying for you, some of you to hear, especially if you're not really into like personality tests, but, um, it just means I, I, I understand a lot about myself through that lens. And so something about me that I know to be true is that my tendency is to look when I'm not sure what to do. My tendency is to look to other people for, okay, tell me what I should do. Show me what I should do. Cause I, um, don't, I, I have this fear that what I would do is not right. Or that what I would, the path that I would take is not, um, going to be authentic. And so I want to somehow get like validation from, or affirmation from the outside that what I'm doing is best or good, or that people will see that as good. And so how this came to play was with the webinar specifically, I, the course that I bought, the, um, the girl provides you with all of her webinar slides from the webinar she uses to do her launch. So I took that and you're supposed to just, you know, edit it to include your information and basically walk through her exact webinar. So I did that. And my first webinar, I hated it. Like I can't even express how how out of body I felt. I felt like I was watching someone else give a presentation that they didn't even really understand or believe in. And yet, like this course is so much what I understand and believe in. So why the disconnect? Why did I feel like, what am I saying and what is going on? And why do I feel like I'm not myself? And it's because I was giving her presentation. I was giving her exact webinar the way she does it instead of going, how do I need to do this differently? Not only as a believer, but just as myself, how do I, how would I say this? And how would I go about this and go about selling and educating and teaching and offering a free training? Like, how would it look for me to do this as, as my most authentic self? And so the first webinar I was, not only was I exhausted, cause I think I was up till 3am editing the slides and then, you know, got probably four and a half hours of sleep. Um, I just, it was not good. It was terrible. If you came to that webinar, I'm really sorry. You did not really see me. You saw someone else giving a webinar that she didn't make. Um, and so Joey got home, thankfully before the second one. And so I told him, I had him watch the first one and he literally, we were both dying laughing and I was like laughing. So I wouldn't cry when we watched it. Cause I was like, Joey, you don't understand. It was so bad. I hated it. I was like, this is not me. This is not my content. This is not what I would say. I just felt like I had to do what her said in order to be successful. And so how often do we do that? We think, okay, this is what someone else tells me. I'm going to do that. And it'll give me the same result that it gave them. But it didn't, it didn't give me the same result. It was a terrible result. And mostly because I just wasn't myself. And 
So you have to remember that like someone else's path to their success will not you cannot copy and paste. I know people sell that and say, copy and paste my business for your business and you're going to be as successful as me, but it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't because you are not being authentic if you are being someone else. And people see through that. People see through you not being true to yourself. So when Joey got home, he helped me revamp it. And honestly, we pretty much started from the ground up and redid everything. And he is actually a really, really good presentation maker because he does this all the time for work and come to find out I'm really not that good at giving presentations and making PowerPoint keynote presentations. So he helped me a lot with that and it got way better. And my second one went awesome and I felt so good about it. And it was just like an entirely different experience. So I went into it like dreading it would be as bad as the last had been, but it wasn't. It was like, I felt like myself and I was truly being myself. And when I was being authentic, I felt really good about what I was sharing even though I don't love selling, even though, and and I didn't do like a hard sell. I wasn't, I didn't do the thing that I had done the first time that wasn't me. I just said, no, I'm not doing it. That's what she recommends, but I'm not doing that. I won't do something that doesn't feel like myself. Um, and it ended up being way better. So what else did I learn? I learned that I have to create and, and we have to create ways for people to work with us. This is something that I teach And I knew that this would be the case. I just didn't realize how true it would be for me. So I created this course, which is a way for someone to work with me, right? But I found out pretty quickly through a lot of the phone conversations that I was having that it was not going to be the best fit for everyone. Some of the women I I spoke with and who were really needing some of the resources and the, the knowledge and education in the course were like, I definitely see the value and I want it, but I can't afford that right now. And so, um... I realized I've got to create more than one way for people to work with me in my coaching business, more than one way. So it can't only be just this one course, but I've got to create, um, you know, lower cost ways for people as a point of entry to get to work with me and find, you know, what I'm like and build trust and build rapport and also build their own business so they could get to a place of making more money and being able to afford more. So for a mom who didn't have uh, any income outside of like her husband's income, a thousand dollars is a lot to ask. It's like, where is that money going to come from? Because, you know, they're, most people are living at the max of their budget. They're not just, you know, putting away thousands of dollars a month in extra income. Most people are maxed out um, because we, our lifestyle fills what we make. Right. And so, um, I just learned that, that that's one of the things I teach, but I think I had forgotten that that might be true for me and that, that might be why I didn't see quite the results that I expected was because I only had one way for people to work with me. And so, um, I mean, I have more ways, but that was really the only way I was like, uh, talking about. And anyway, so that, that was a good lesson for me just to be reminded like, and, and that those are coming. Those other ways are coming. If you're listening and you're like, yeah, that was me. Next. What I learned was I need to be in process, but not stop moving forward. So after launch, I felt very much in process, like, okay, I am in the middle of something. I'm now at the beginning of something with some of these students, but I'm also in the middle of figuring out what to do next with my own business. And, um, and when I feel overwhelmed and uncertain, I, my tendency is to want to like pull back and pull, um, pull everything, like pull the plug and be like, okay, I'm just not going to do anything. But I've learned through this that I can be in process, but 
but still move forward. And what I mean is not just like drive ahead, um, like, you know, blindly into the fray. I mean, taking the next right step. So not being 100% certain what is next, but knowing that you see a place to put your foot in front of you, even if it's on just trusting God with the rest of the outcome and trusting him with what he's given you this far and saying, I accept, I accept what is coming from your hand right now. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to keep working. It doesn't mean I won't improve. It doesn't mean that this is all there is. And this is all you have for me. It just means maybe it's not, no, it's just not yet. And, um, yeah, so being in process, but not stopping all, all forward movement. And then, um, I learned as recently as today that I need to share my losses as readily as I share my wins. So if I'm doing this thing of business, uh, differently than the world, I can't wait until I have the win and have the victory to share about all of the difficulties along, along the way. I need to trust God with my vulnerability and with um, my heart so that I'm able to step into difficulty with other people and into the unknown and the uncertainty and the not yet with others who would benefit from what I'm going through and would benefit from hearing, here's what I'm learning in this period of like really uncertainty about how to do my own life and my own business. Um, you know, and maybe that's going to encourage someone and strengthen them in their own life or work. Um, so that's something, you know, honestly, this, this line of share your losses as readily as you share your wins just came to my mind this morning. And I believe it was the Holy spirit just convicting me. Like, don't, don't be so afraid of what man will think of you or what man can do to you that you won't allow me to, to get glory in your loss because, you know, as we know in Philippians, um, Paul writes that he counts everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And now before you're like, Haley, you're not imprisoned or getting beaten on a daily basis. Like Paul probably was when he wrote this. (laughs) I know that, but our sufferings and our trials that God allows us to go through, um, should, should lead us to a place of saying, I will lose everything for the sake of knowing Jesus. I will lose it all. If if being vulnerable and sharing what God has done and is doing in my heart and life through something as silly as a course launch, like I get this is not weighty in the realm of eternity, but what is weighty is God's glory. And if I don't take even my smallest loss and my most insignificant loss and go, how can I turn this around to point to God's glory? Then it is completely worthless. It is wasted and it it may not be wasted in my heart, but it will be wasted in terms of the reach and the impact that God might've intended to have in it. And perhaps that's the entire point of the failed launch in a sense. And and I hate saying the word fail because I don't really think it was a fail. I just think it was different than what I expected. But in terms of my growth and where I feel like I am today versus where I was a month ago, I feel like it's been exponential for my growth, my personal growth and development. So I'm not sorry for it. I'm not regretful of what happened, but I do know that if I am not going to allow God to be glorified in my losses, then he certainly won't be glorified in my victory. 
So the next thing that I want to share is just what I've been saying, that our transparency, when we are transparent, we are most able to grow from the trials that we inevitably encounter in this life. And not just when we're transparent later, like that's what I would challenge you with is not, not to wait until you have a victory to share that you have undergone difficulty. Maybe that is a, a, um, a miscarriage or the loss of a child or the loss of a relationship and, um, or the loss of a business opportunity. I mean, don't, why do we wait until we have a win to share that we had some hard things as well? Is it because we don't think that we'll ever have wins? Is it because we think that our performance is the thing that makes us worthy and valuable of love? And, and I know that, that, you know, being in process, it doesn't mean that you have to share everything and, you know, um, wear your heart on your sleeve or, or share things with especially people who are not worthy of being entrusted with them. But it, I think what I'm saying is that our vulnerability does more for us than it does for other people. It's not about, um, you know, it's not, it's not always about, well, what does someone need to learn from that? Or you've got to share because somebody needs the lesson. It's about what it does for you when you open yourself up and, and trust the people who are worthy of being trusted. And if you don't have people like that in your life, um, get involved in a local church, in a community, join a small group, find a Bible study, find a group of women in your neighborhood or in your um, extended community that you can you can start to build trust with, start to build a relationship like that where you can be vulnerable and be honest and risk and and risk something because it is in that risk that I think we are ultimately reminded of where our true hope and true security lies, which is not in anyone's perception of us or in your perception of me. Like I certainly have to believe that. I mean, putting all of this out there and being vulnerable in a way that nobody is being in this space of e-learning or coaching or courses. Like I am not seeing, not to toot my own horn, but I am not seeing anybody share, Hey, um, I just really struggled and I'm actually still struggling, but let me share with you what I'm learning in that. You know, normally it's like, Oh, Hey, like, uh, yeah, you last year I struggled with that too, but then I came up and now I'm just killing it. <laughs> It's like, wouldn't I love for that to be my story? And that'd be great. And that will be great if that happens. It'll also be great if it doesn't. But, you know, I think there's just so much more that we can gain from being honest about what God is doing in our hearts and lives. And I think it's often for our benefit that we share those things. And the last thing I want to share is um, is really this question of glory. And uh, I had an episode a few episodes back called Whose Kingdom Are You Building? That I think is where I started to really contemplate what this meant for me. And the question of whose kingdom are you building? Ultimately, you know, it, for me, it's about my my work and my life. And what is my heart always seeking to build? And is it for is it for myself? Is it my own miniature kingdom here on earth where I can be glorified? And I think that that question of whose kingdom are you building leads us and points us to this question of glory, whose glory is on the line, whose glory is at stake, because that changes everything about how you move forward whose glory is at stake. If it's yours, 
You just do not have that much motivation to do the hard thing, to share the hard message, to be vulnerable with the hard truth, to, um, to share where you're really at and who you really are and what is really going on in your life. If your glory is at stake, like we are willing to lay our glory aside because we know it's not a, an infinite. We just know in our gut and in our bones that we are not, our glory is not eternal. It's not heavy enough. It's not weighty enough. So glory by definition is the essence of the substance of a particular thing. Now, the only reason I know that is because that was actually the sermon at church on Sunday. That's what my pastor was talking about. So perfect timing. Thanks, Lord. And so is the glory that's in your vision and in your mind's eye, is that glory your own? Is what is driving you every day your own glory? And if so, be sure that it will press heavily upon you until it crushes you. It will weigh you all the way down to the basement floor. I picture like a red balloon floating through the sky and down comes the grand piano of life on that red balloon. Is it going to be able to carry the weight of the grand piano? Absolutely not. Life is that grand piano falling from the sky. The red balloon of your glory cannot bear the weight of life's trials and life's unforeseen circumstances and unexpected outcomes and disappointments and heartbreaks and heartache. Your red balloon cannot bear the weight, but God's glory, on the other hand, can bear every ounce. And what's more, he makes your burden light. His yoke is easy and his burden is light because he is the one carrying the weight of his own glory. And I've never thought about that before this morning. But again, the Holy Spirit showed me that truth that when you're living for your glory, it's all on you. It's all on your shoulders. But when you're living for the glory of God, he is the one doing the work. He is the one who is making it happen. He is the one bringing about his own glory. Um, he is the executor of his own will, if you will. He doesn't need a co-signer. He doesn't even need a witness to witness his own glory. Because if you remember, he existed outside of space and time before anything else, which my mind can't even actually comprehend. And he didn't need anyone to witness his glory for it to be real. It was. He, he is the I am. But he invites us to bear witness to the miracle of who he is and the miracle of what he does in us and in the world. He, he invites us to be co-laborers and co-heirs in Christ. I think when we rightly esteem and understand God's glory, we are freed from working for that outcome, which then you know, says whether or not we are valuable, whether or not we are successful or, you know, good enough or enough, it frees us to work for the glory of God. Because ultimately we know that whether we um, succeed or fail in this life, his glory remains. As I'm wrapping up this episode, uh, I, I'm going to share something that again is one of those cliche Instagram posts that I'm sure you've seen a hundred times by now. But sometimes when you feel like you're buried, you're actually being planted. And I, I have found that to be true in this, in this season that while I felt in some ways, um, like maybe I was getting buried and my dreams or my visions were getting crushed. What I really realized was that God was looking out for my heart and he was protecting my heart from 
that golden idol that I so long to construct with the work of my hands and the creation that I can put it forth into the world and be seen as valuable for. And I think he protected me from that in a lot of ways with the outcome of this launch. And, uh, you know, God uses our circumstances to humble us and to reorient our hearts and minds to his will to center us and to revive and strengthen us. And we may not want our circumstance to be what we find ourselves in, but we can always trust that the divine author has a plan that goes beyond our limited capacity to dream. And that's kind of the thing about your vision and your dream, um, whatever that thing is for you, that is your your vision of what you want your life to be or what you're working for, or what you feel like is kind of on the other side of that hill that you're climbing, your vision is limited. Your capacity to dream is limited. And this is something the world does not tell you. They do not preach that um, your dreams have limitations. They preach like um, you know, follow, follow your dreams. I mean, a dream is a wish your heart makes. I mean, it's in every Disney movie there is. And, um, and what they preach is that like you can, the sky's the limit, but that's just the problem is the sky isn't the limit. There is something beyond the sky and we just can't see it from here. We are on earth. We have atmosphere fogging our vision. We have clouds, we can't see everything. We don't see all of the universe when we look up. We just see the sky. And so I guess like in some ways I should turn that around and say, yeah, the sky is the limit because that's all you see. But God sees beyond the sky. He sees beyond. He sees eternity. He sees not just the outcome of your course launch or your business or your work or your friendships or your relationship or your marriage right here and right now, but he sees eternity. And so while your circumstances appear to be limited and appear to be not what you wanted and not what you think it could be, God sees eternity. And and I think we need to be praying to see with eyes like his and, and seeing with eyes that are eternal. And here's something that's true. God is always using every means available to draw us to himself. So if our dream and visions are too limited and aimed too low, and we expect and ask for too little, and we set our hearts on financial gains or wealthier bank accounts or more acquisitions on earth, you can be certain that he will use every means available to draw you near to him. Even if that is slowing the results or the outcome that you want to see in your life or your work. This weekend with some girlfriends and we were talking about this very thing, how we ask for too little and God is like, no, I'm not going to give you that thing because you're not asking for enough. That's not what I aim to give you. I, I have more for you than that. I have more that I want to give you and bestow upon you and more I want to grow in you than just this one outcome. I think we need to be careful, though, in this conversation to not, um, you know, be Job's comforters in the sense that, uh, you know, I tell you that I know why you're going through a hard time or that I can speak into your circumstances or your difficulty and say, well, it's going to it's got to be the same as mine. God is um, saying, you know, your prayer isn't big enough, because what if your prayer really is big enough? And still the answer is no. Um, I, I'm definitely not willing to step into that place of saying, here's why every trial you're going through is happening. That's that's definitely not what I'm trying to say here. Um, but I am hoping to share my own perspective on 
what I have been through and that I believe that my prayer and, and my, the hope of my heart was a little bit misplaced. And, um, and, and I don't think that God is, has said to me, that means you are doing the wrong thing. It, it's not, like I said, it's not the what, it's the how. And so perhaps the harder thing than actually just quitting altogether and pulling back and um, stepping away from a project or a pursuit altogether is to stay the course. Um, a lot of times that is the harder path and um, not necessarily question what it is you're doing, but but asking what might be here in this place for us. I guess what I'm saying is that I am finding that often the harder thing for me than pulling back when things don't go my way is to actually stay the course and to not question my calling or question my my purpose, where God has me, question everything I'm doing and say, maybe I'm on the wrong path altogether, but rather to ask, what do you have for me here, God? What is in this place of not yet or not big enough or uh, uh, you know, you're, you're not asking for the right thing yet. Like you're in the right place. You're doing the right work. You're doing the work that I'm calling you to, but your aim is still too low. Your heart is still set on these earthly things. Um, and so for me to ask, you know, not God, should I be doing something else? But God, what do you have for me in this place of, of somewhat, uh, feeling defeated and feeling like I didn't hit the mark, but also realizing that perhaps what I was ultimately after can only be found in this exact story that you're writing. What I have asked you for, the bigger prayer of my heart is that I would know you and be able to trust you and see that you're faithful and find that in my not enoughness, Christ is everything. And perhaps the very story that you're writing is the best one for me to see all of that and to to have a perspective that is um, the most clear of those truths. So for me, uh, I guess this has just led me to this realization that, you know, I don't have to have an identity crisis or necessarily change everything I'm doing, but I need to be reminded to trust the one who called me. And I need my calling to be placed beneath the one who called me. So I needed my work to be put back in its rightful place. And the one who called me to the work to be placed above the work itself. So I I do think that is something that I can say would be true for all of you who call yourselves believers. Your work will never, um, should never take the place of the one who called you to it. And, and if it does, then it's become an idol and you can be certain that he will, um, he will eventually tr- find you and track you down and, and he will bring you back, um, uh, because you're his and that's what he does. Um, and he's a good father. Um, he will leave the 99 to find the one. So I continue to pray fervently for clarity and for peace and for him to part that red sea that is in front of me. One that feels fraught with possibility, uncertainty, and no clear path forward. But even as I pray that prayer, I know that he is drawing the path that I should take and making a way in the wilderness for me, because that is what he does. That's the kind of God that he is. Psalm 105, 41 says, He broke open the boulder and the waters poured out like a river in the desert. Psalm 107 
verse two. So go ahead, let everyone know it. Tell the world how he broke through and delivered you from the power of darkness and has gathered us together from all over the world. He has set us free to be his very own. Verse seven, he led us right into a place of safety and abundance, a suitable city to dwell in. Nine, how he satisfies the souls of thirsty ones and fills the hungry with all that is good. 12. So he humbled us through our circumstances, watching us as we stumbled with no one there to pick us back up. Our own pain became our punishment. Then we cried out, Lord, help us rescue us. And he did. This is how we can fail a launch or be disappointed in the outcome or the results of our, of our labors and not respond as the world does with do more, buy more, try harder. But perhaps the answer is to um, go inward for a while to find a dark clay, a dark cave. <laughs> I don't mean literal dark cave. I mean, in the cleft of the rock that will hide us and restore us. Hiding ourselves in him is the only certain way to find rest. It's the only certain way that promises peace. I sometimes joke that this podcast is a therapy session for me. And in a way, I think that it is because God knew that I needed to have a space to share authentically and be known for who I really am. Um, And not in the way that my husband knows me or my closest friends know me, but in a way that forces me to be humble and, and that allows me to be honest about how the circumstances of my life make me humble, to lay myself low, to say, not my will, but yours. And to say, I'm working hard for an outcome that I believe was planted in my heart by the very spirit of the Lord. But when he says, wait patiently upon me, I respond, yes, Lord, like I, I can do that. And as, um, one of my guests, Jane Johnson writes in her book, mercy, like morning. And she said on, in her episode, which was 31. She said, uh, when she waited for years and years for the baby that she believed God had promised her, she wanted to be caught in the act of believing. And that when the miracle came about, she wanted to be caught believing in the miracle and not be caught disbelieving. So I want the same. I want to be caught believing in the act of believing and not believing that I will someday crack the code of passive income or not that my course will become wildly successful and popular and not that I will become a well-known and loved coach or author or podcaster or whatever, but that he will be for me everything I need. Everything this world seeks to offer me, everything culture promises, Uh, everything, every business guru and teacher and educator online in 2018 is promising will never crest the mountain of everything God has for me and has promised me in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians 120 says for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And I hope you see the significance of the mention of God's glory yet again. I don't know what you're going through today, right now in your life. I don't know what mountain you feel that you're climbing and what hill you feel you're cresting that you can't yet see beyond to the other side, what awaits you, but hear that the glory of God is worth the struggle. And and actually the glory of God alone is worth the struggle. So reorient your heart to that today and reorient your mind and I'm going to end with 1 Peter 4.10. As each has received a gift, employ it for one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, let him speak. 
as one who utters oracles of God. Whoever renders service, let him render it as one who renders it by the strength which God supplies, in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.